So today we're talking about autonomy, and, <laughs> and here are the definitions that people are reading from now. Is there anything that's missing from these definitions or in these definitions that is present and surprising, or is this exactly what we expected? I feel like Cambridge is like pretty much what I envision autonomy as like pretty hit the nail on the head. All right, all right, all right, all right. I don't know if something about the Webster one is just not sitting as well with me where I agree that like Cambridge just seems more concise and on point versus I don't know Webster just feels really broad and like it's kind of missing the mark somehow hmm. I'm, not sure, I'm not sure what it is specifically but something's just not sitting right with that one I feel like with Merriam-Webster especially the first definition um it's just, I, I don't know if this sound, I, I feel like it's putting too much weight on the like individual relative to others, like existing or acting separately from others versus I see it more as being like a, it's, it's more active than that. You know, with Cambridge, it's making your own decisions but with Merriam-Webster, it's existing separately from others. So I, I don't know, it feels more passive and more of like a, um, it's more dependent on third parties, you know? It almost sounds like they're being negative about it with Webster versus with Cambridge. Like there's a, there's a slight, especially with like the first one, a little bit with the second one, but definitely for the first one, that it's just, it seems like there's a little bit more of like, negative bias towards it. And it might just be the phrasing of it. I think that's what I don't like about it or that's what's not sitting well. Hmm. Yeah, the one thing that I do like, maybe I don't know if likes the right word. I keep like coming back to the word existing in the Merriam-Webster definition and i wonder like without getting into the philosophical debates of what does it mean to exist um and what does that look like for each person but i i find myself coming back to that word just because i when i think of autonomy i think of laws things that exist that take away from the existence or the humanity in others and how that is also a part of losing autonomy as well um, and so I think I like the concept of I get to exist freely from others without some form of control. I'm rumbling with it. I, I, I struggle with the concept of autonomy in general. So that's a whole separate deal. Um, so and, and <laughs> to go, I'm going to give a short look at me bored if this is not running along things that you feel like you care about. Um, but one of the things that I'm paying attention to is how people are inherently relational. Um, 
at, from, from birth to death. Um, in fact, a lot of research suggests that people are relational prior to being individual. In order to be individual, one must first be in relationship. And when we're born, we're inherently dependent upon our parents or our caregivers. Like, and so we like by nature, we are dependent and therefore relational. And then we, the sense of self develops. Um, and it's interesting because like our sense of self and who we are develops based off how we're taught. So when our parents are like bob babbling oh, and giving us baby speak, they're teaching us how to learn language and use language. And so our, our whole mode of being is dependent upon another person. And in a way that means that who I am is inherently tied to how I was raised and who I was raised by. And therefore how is that not in a, in a way being controlled by the people who have had an effect and that I've been in relationship with. Right. And so there's, there's a moment where I have the capacity to make a decision right now, but I have no control over how I was raised, how I am in existence with other people. And so, you know, like, yes, I have the, I like a concept of autonomy right now where I can pick up this class or not to in that, in that way, or to engage with you all or not, but in the same way, like who I am and how I'm my mode of being is entirely dependent and controlled by how I was raised and how I was, how I am in relationship with people now. And so I'm just, I'm interested in how separate one person can truly be from another. Um, which is where in the, the state of existing or acting separately from others doesn't seem entirely possible. Um, whereas the ability to make our own decisions without being controlled by anyone else seems somewhat more possible, still somewhat problematic. And so I think that's my problem with Webster is that I don't think that first definition is literally possible. Great. <laughs> Hearing no response. I'm going to go into... <laughs> <laughs> these, these quotes, uh, I will make them larger for us. Um, same deal, like as you read them, let us know if you have any particular, if anything particular comes up for us um, or, or not. I think the first and third really resonate with me, especially considering how I view this episode, which I guess we'll get to. In, in a little bit, but um, yeah, I, I think for the first one, I think of Bado and his character. And for the third one, I think of Aang and his journey through this episode. Mm. Um, I don't know how much detail I should go into it now versus later, um, but you know, I, I'll just leave it at that for now. It's interesting you say that. I see two as Ang Ang's journey, like, uh, and so I'll be excited to kind of talk through that. Um, I agree. I think three is is to the point, and I think it's at the heart of autonomy, especially through this episode. Um, and I I think that yeah, those were the ones I like, but I also liked four. I these are great quotes, Ben. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks bud.
We aim to please. I also love anything until Gowanda has written. Not, I mean, I haven't written all of it, but I've read a lot and it's quite lovely. Is it ironic that The Road Less Traveled has got to be one of the most read poems but or works of like all time? I like how in the fourth quote, it talks about us asking and to be allowed to be the writers of our own story. There's something in that phrasing, which is very poetic and beautiful, but also at the same time, not always the case, right? Because depending on what your circumstances are that you're in, you can still make decisions yes but sometimes it's like a whole chapter you're like what just happened and i feel like we could talk about that later too but that might be kind of what bato is feeling with being left behind too because of his injuries which he wants to be with his you know tribe mates and he wants to be with his like platoon because they're being soldiers together but he because he was injured he had to stay behind to protect them which like yes he's writing his story but i think and i mean they talk about that too we can talk about it later but i think that's also like sometimes to be the writer of your own story there's like a lot of heartbreak in that and there's other parts where you you're not really the writer you're more of the bystander or the reader for parts of it yeah and you know, I know this was last month's discussion, but that also like really makes me think of the whole discussion with the fortune teller, where it's, you know, do you let someone else dictate what happens in your life versus taking a more active role in trying to shape that path and be the writer of that story? Mm. Speaking of last month, y'all will be pleased that tomorrow's uh, premiere episode of the legend of Korra does in fact feature Adam Sandler. Um, and I did catch it. So I just want y'all to know that he didn't get away with getting it under my radar. I caught the reference. It was a very blatant and non-hidden. Re- it, it's, That's because it you forgot till the end and you it know was, it. I literally said something along the lines of it's like that Adam Sandler movie. Like it wasn't something to be caught. No. You'll have to listen to figure out what reference it was, though. <laughs> it is very blatant, to be fair. He said he was going to try and hide it, but he fa- he failed miserably. Anyway, here we are. We are. Or was that the red herring that you thought that that was the only listen reference? You don't get to claim ones where you listen back and they're like there, but you didn't actually mean it. You need to mean it. At, at, uh uh-uh, uh uh uh. None of that. You have no idea whether or not I meant it when I said it in the episode. I know for sure. I'm sensing that we're done with quotes. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Bato and the Water Tribe through, <laughs> through a lens of autonomy. What came up for all of you? Uh, well, I, I just want to say that um, of all the episodes in this show, historically, this has been the hardest one to rewatch and not because of like a particular moment at the end with Iroh and June, because I, I actually did not 
catch that until you guys brought it up on the podcast, which, um, you know, especially when I rewatch now is very uncomfortable. Um, but for me, a lot of it was because of what Aang goes through, because I have always been yeah. the kind of person that's very prone to personalizing other people's actions and creating, um, you know, an idea of my sense of self that is very, um, it's very sensitive to how other people perceive me. And I feel like I could really empathize with Aang's character, but at the same time was incredibly frustrated with the actions he took. Um, you know, and, and you know, it, that moment where he takes the scroll and then crumples it up. Yeah. Every time I watch it, I'm like, oh no. Um, and, you know, even if I know it's coming, it's still like a, I hate watching it so much. Um, and so, yeah, uh, I will say that like going through the podcast the first time, this was the episode where I was like, oh, this podcast is like really, really good. <laughs> <laughs> that was the moment I was like, oh my God. Like th- it, it like, it, it felt like it like, unlocked my like my understanding of why this episode gave me so much discomfort because i i I could never really pinpoint why before that Mm. man that makes me want to delete episodes one through 14 (laughs) re-record them (laughs) (laughs) no i mean it's not it's not a dig at those just because like this episode was such like a specific pain point for me oh yeah that i I was like in in going through episodes one through 14 because of how you guys were handling the show i was definitely looking forward to this episode and it did not disappoint at all Mm. so wow yeah no this is an incredibly uncomfortable episode for me as well and i think for a lot of the same reasons that you're naming is that i i really empathize with Aang, and i i feel it to my core and what i love about it is that I'm also deeply reminded of how old Aang is when I watch this episode and Aang's age. And I think about all the times where like, I wouldn't act that way now, like at least like literally what in that situation, but I know that I would have in my past or I would have done something similar where I would have covered the tracks with my airbending and I would have done X, Y, like all of these things that Aang does in an attempt to belong right? Because he feels like he's losing the only family he has. And like, it's tragic. It makes me want to, I'm tearing up. It's really tragic because like, these are the things that this is all he has to hold on to in this new world that he's in. And I really have a hard time blaming Aang for any of his, of his actions. I, I have a, I really struggle with like, yeah, he like is, he does a lot of bad things and I really just can't blame him. I get it. And it's, that makes it really struggle. That's a struggle bus there. Right. Ugh, yeah. So it's almost like the perfect example of you can have empathy for people, but that doesn't mean that like, that doesn't make their actions correct over. Then we see that so frequently, like, Oh, I understand why every character 
does what they do in this episode. And I understand why Sokka and Katara miss cues from Aang that like he's he's making bids for connection because they are so enthralled with being a part of family again and and, and seeing familiar faces and being back in the culture. I understand why Aang makes the decisions he does because he's afraid of losing the family that he's kind of already created and feels like he's losing that aspect of things. Um, the extortion that like Zuko has takes this necklace and uses it as a way to, to get what he wants out of situations is, you know, you understand when you put that in the concept of his search for family as well. Um, but every single one of those moments, I just like cringe on every aspect based off of the decisions that are made. Cause the question that kind of comes to me in this mind for Aang is that specifically does withholding that information by not giving something to someone who is, who it's for, who it technically belongs to, um, takes away the autonomy from their ability to make decisions and move forward in their life, which is just absolutely not his place to be able to do that. It's also really nice that he finds like the resolution in 10 minutes uh, of like that behavior. I don't think we work that fast. Um, but it's, it's tough to watch. It's super, it's super hard to, but it does kind of bring to light that yes, withholding information, even though that he may not be physically restraining them or have policies in place that are restraining them or governing them into a way that like keeps them from having autonomy, just the act of withholding something that they don't even know they've lost is still creating that sense of an inability to make their own decisions. Um, and I think that that's like, we, that's just something that like, we don't even think about when we think of autonomy a lot. Absolutely. Yeah, because and I think that's what really makes me think of the third quote. Um, if do you mind, yeah, scrolling up, please. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's because like he's essentially taking the choice away from Katara and Sokka, and so in his mind, he's created this this um, scenario where Katara and Sokka were, will always choose their father over Aang mm -hmm. and by taking away their ability to make that choice he is basically like setting in stone that perception because like that's that's the only thing that can exist without giving them the choice if that makes sense Well, and on the exact other side of that coin, I feel like is the the argument and the lesson around having the autonomy to kind of stand up for yourself or to voice your fears or to to lift up things that are concerning to you or even saying that like, hey, I know that this is a terrible first draft in my head and I know that this is the story I'm creating, but this is how I'm feeling. Um, I think it's a lesson for us to do those things in, in those types of situations as well. Um, now, granted, there's always a, a slew of reasons around personal safety, physical safety, mental safety that also like has to come into that decision making process when we kind of make those decisions to to take that autonomy. But, you know, the ability to, to sit there and lift those things up, I think you have to you have to kind of make that choice and you have to say, I, I'm going to write this part of my story because we need to it needs to be discussed or else it's not going to get fixed. Mm. 
This is reminding me of relationships, the common like relationship trope where it's like, I can't let you be with me because of all these reasons. But really what you're doing is you're removing the other person's autonomy to choose to be with you despite the danger. It's a common superhero uh, love, tri- love trope, right? Where like, you know, Peter Parker's like, no, I can't tell you all the things that are going wrong because if I do, you're going to blah, blah, But like, isn't that my choice to determine whether I stay with you after I learn all these things? And what we're doing is we often just remove the autonomy from, from people when um, we don't give people that option. Uh, which, you know, it's tough because a lot of people are like, no, they shouldn't. You don't, don't, you know, put that responsibility on them. They don't really know what they're doing. And then it's like, oh, but wait, okay, but I'm like, I'm a person. Let me make the choice. So yeah, I struggle. I struggle with that. It's just reminding me of that as a conversation. I think this episode does a a fantastic job of showing us like the worst side of our beloved characters. You know what I mean? Like it puts us in the dark with all of them. Like not just one of them, like, cause you can, you can feel where Aang is coming from, but you can, like you said, you can also be really upset with Aang and his choices. And at the same time, we can look at Sokka and Katara and go, you missed the, the, you know, the cues from Aang and, and him trying to be a part of this when, you know, his culture is literally annihilated by genocide. Like he needs to feel included. And then there's just like, there's so many moments, but then at the same time, you can relate to Sokka and Guitar because they've literally not seen their father for years. And this is like the closest thing they have to like knowing that their dad is alive even like, cause they didn't know really up to this point that for sure that their dad was alive. So it's just, it's really interesting to have. And I think that's where the discomfort comes from or at least part of it is like, we're, we're sitting in the dark, right? With all of our favorite characters. And we're just going, wow, this really sucks. Like, I don't like this. And that's why I really love that the resolution at least with Sokka and Katara is when they hear the wolf, is Sokka basically drawing a direct comparison between him and Aang. And him and Katara leaving Aang is very similar to how he felt when, you know, his father and the entire um, Southern Water Tribe army left. It's that same kind of um, isolation and everything. So I feel like drawing that connection at the end really helps like sort of create that mend and and bring the characters out of the dark i'm kind of kicking myself for not using this episode more in the gifts of imperfection series like clearly there's like so many like ways that i could have used it and i'm like oh no it's over already but yeah, this, there's just so much, like, like there's so much in here that really just fits right into all of that. And I missed it probably because I was blocking it all out because it's so uncomfortable, but you know, that's, that's how that works. <laughs> uh, man. 
other moments of autonomy or lack thereof in this episode? I will say um, I'm, I'm kind of going to spoil my, my gratitude for this episode because it's, <gasps> it's probably going to be Bado. Um, unless someone else takes it first, please don't. <laughs> um, but I think Bado, even though he also kind of, you know, he misses the cues from Aang as well, I do think, and I, I give him a lot of credit at the end for when Katara and Sokka decide that wait, they want to go find their father instead of going with Aang he doesn't try and dissuade them. And I, I feel like that sounds weird, but I feel like, especially after the trust exercise and things that they had just done, he like firmly believes that um, these kids need to find their own path um, and they need to build that trust with each other. And it can't be um, something that's, you know, encroached on by others um and when a moment like you know ang betraying that trust happens they need to find that resolution themselves and you know bado does kind of push it along because he he points out that you know the lone wolf is is crying out because he's been separated and he feels the same way and that kind of nudges Sokka along to his realization um he allows them to come to that conclusion on their own and doesn't you know again try and dissuade them yeah hmm. well and that's just like how much respect and this goes for like every like elderly person who like in all of the young adult novels that is like you know you need to choose, make the decision on your own. I can't help you when, you know, it's always the people who are like, you should do this that we don't like. And it's always the people like, this is a choice you have to make on your, and they were always like, I love them. They're so good. They're what a good mentor. Right. And it's just like, that's just like the, that's the trope. And it's because that's what we long for. We, what we long for, and there's this sense of autonomy with blessing that matters, I think. And what I mean by that is like being able to make the choice in another, like, like is something that we we must have and want and desire but it's not just that we also want the blessing of the people that we care about the trust of the people that we yearn for acknowledgement from that allows us to make those decisions right that's saying when i make this decision will you still love me when i make this decision no matter what it is like I might make the wrong decision. Are you still going to care? And that's what I think. And so that that's what I've been kind of wrapping my head around, like this ritual of uh, becoming like becoming a man in the water tribe of like, you know, getting earning your your marks in the water tribe and becoming an official water tribe member. And that's it seems like that's what this ritual does is it's it creates this, you know, space in which what society is saying is that you're allowed to make your own decisions now and we trust you 
And I, I think that's really beautiful, right? And like prior to that, like before we recorded and before, I guess we're recording now, before we took notes and thought about this, I was thinking like, this is dumb. I don't like this. And now I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. I like it. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm reflecting on this, this ritual and I'm finding it to be more beneficial than harmful in a way with that as a, as a lens. And I'm, I'm curious, I'm curious, what are, what are y'all, what are y'all's response to that? What are you thinking? What are, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. So I'm, I'm curious why you, um, were you resistant to like accepting this ritual as like a, like a coming of age type thing before? I don't, I don't know how I feel about like coming of age rituals period I see. um and, and also like more to the point like now you're a man rituals um and the masculinity that is tied to it and like do all the girls go through this ritual and what is, how how is gender in this and what does that look like and i i just that makes me feel icky um but and so i'm i'm that's but that's not how i'm like this kind of reframed it to not think about gender but then of course it still becomes problematic when we reinvite gender into the conversation so um does that make sense yeah i think so and i i think i i definitely get that i think part of the reason that that didn't at first come to mind is because this is all based on like the context that Sokka grew up as being the only men in the or only boy in the southern water tribe because all the men left and so there is this kind of like there's already this separation where like the men would probably do this and the women someone else but it's also because like katara plays such like a large role in this rite of passage and it isn't it is treated so casually like bado doesn't make like a a remark saying like oh typically like girls wouldn't be a part of this or anything she's just like you know she's just part of the the crew of, just like ang just like Sokka, like they're all like part of it so i don't know i mean i i again i i definitely get where you're coming from but yeah it's definitely something that didn't um occur to me initially so interesting i think there's a real beauty in the way that it's something that's very culturally significant to the Southern Water Tribe. And regardless, if not Katara being a female was supposed to participate, that she does. But then they also bring Aang, who is from a different culture, a different tribe, different religion. And he becomes a main part of that as well, but in a way where it's very respectful. You know what I mean? Where there's even hints earlier on in the episode where he's not being respectful because he didn't know that like the headdress was you know something that was sacred and like the food is different so I think it's very interesting how they they really show how contrasting Aang's upbringing was compared to Sokka and Katara's with just like their rituals spiritual practices and how he's kind of making errors because he's just not familiar with that culture and I feel like being a white person like that's so easy to do right because we are so uncultured 
But then this moment is just so inclusive in a way that it's like, this is how it should be, right? Like without being detrimental to the actual experience. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was just like a very beautiful moment of how do we create this moment for Sokka because this is something that's special to him. And you can tell that he's upset that he never got to do this. Yeah. And like making it happen still. Yeah. I also like this moment specifically through the lens of autonomy because I think it highlights how powerful giving up autonomy can be, but also when you have the power to take it back. Like Aang, Katara, they had the choice to listen to Sokka through all of this. At any given point, they could have taken that autonomy back for themselves, but because of their trust, because of their relationship, because of the bonds that they had, they were willing to kind of give up their autonomy in certain situations because they knew it was for the betterment of the group. And for like, and so, but there was there was power that they always had the ability to take that back versus, hey, here's some of my autonomy, and then I never get to take that power back. It's a very different situation. And so I think that there's a a story in there, a, a parable, if you will, uh, that 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 kind of speaks to that. Um, yeah. For your point specifically, Ben, I wonder if it's too, it's just, you know, one, asking the questions on all of our rituals, all of our practices um, about what the benefit is, what the harm could cause. And I think that's no different with this. Like there's clearly some ways that maybe they can improve it. I think it feels nice. Like it feels a lot less rigid than like Master Paku, or, uh, right? Uh, yeah. yes. So like, so if that's the traditional space where they allow for like different people to come in and it feels a lot less rigid and it flows to meet the needs of the situation, then like, cool. All for it. Yeah. If Bado was like, sorry, Katara Aang, <laughs> no, <Get out. laughs> like he'd be like, um, let's, uh, let's read the room a little bit. Let's say <laughs> we have a, a hundred year war going on that I'd really like to help end. But so. also like, I, I hear you and I know that, I, I want to believe that Bato would have made the same decision if they were in the Southern Water Tribe and they weren't in the middle of a war and Sokka had just come of age. But I don't. Um, yeah, and, in which and, case does that, at this point, does that cause more harm than it does? Like, because of the context and in that situation, that does that shift the, the positive and the, the yeah. harm that could be done yeah. and the benefit from it? Because these things don't happen in a vacuum. And so I think that that's, that kind of speaks to it as well. So I, this is, I think this is a yes. And like, this is not a, either no. or. my, my way, the highway. <laughs> Calm down. You big spice, baby. Spice baby. Um, and spice baby, you know, one thing that, and this kind of goes into Korra territory as well, but one thing that I think about a lot with the Avatar universe is what exactly culture means. Um, and like, you know, I'm, I'm sure down the road there'll be like a whole episode that could be done on this. Um, but, you know, especially when we get to Korra where, you know, with Republic City, there's a lot more um, intersection of cultures. And we, we kind of see in the comics with the, um, the colonies, you know, what does it mean to be the child of a firebender or a fire nation person and an earth, nation, or earth kingdom person? Um, like, what does that mean for 
your rituals and your beliefs and you know and as you move forward how does your identity shape you like who do you have allegiance to do you need to have allegiance to any of the four nations um i think it's something that's really interesting to consider especially since you know ben you mentioned like um you know if this were peacetime and Sokka were of age uh made the same decision and i think that you know it's a fair question but at the same time that isn't what happened and yeah. they are in a war and they do have to rely on people like regardless of gender regardless of nationhood um regardless of background because um you know that's what the circumstances require um so you know it's interesting how these things develop and i'm curious how they would continue develop continue to develop on like an individual and also like larger scope we talk a little bit about water tribe culture in episode one of Quora that's we're dropping tomorrow. So that's really interesting. A little, little interesting little hint for you. <laughs> that um, might be where the Adam Sandler reference is. It also might not. Just have to listen. Could be anywhere. Yeah. Y'all can tell me next month whether you thought this was something that he reminded himself of at the very end and threw in or whether it just came up naturally, you know. Anyway, um, other moments of autonomy. Should we talk about the the obvious one with Iroh and June slash the sheer shoe in general with removing, like with paralysis, <laughs> the ability to paralyze people? Um, I mean, like to put a I heard like you're right, Maggie. Like there is, it is the dark side of everybody, and this is this whole episode is like dark Iroh. Like have you seen that meme going around recently of like dark Goda, and like this whole episode is dark Iroh. <laughs> like it's just like oh no, I'm so uncomfortable with everything that's coming out of your mouth, except for the one liner to Aunt Wu, which is like yay, like Iroh wisdom. Then the rest of it is surrounded by him laughing like inappropriately <laughs> and like it's just like uh um yeah i i i i don't want to lift it up just for the sake of be lifting it up but if there is there any discussion that that is lifting up for us or questions that 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 those moments are lifting up for us I get so mad at this episode and it's like I anger leads to the dark side. Right. So I try to process it with like as much as I can. But I, for me specifically, if I like boil it down, losing my autonomy, it's gotta be one of my biggest fears, right? Like uh, I don't ever want to be buried alive. I don't have like going caving sounds terrible. Cause the, the thought of like being trapped in a space and unable to move is no, thank you. Um, I think of like losing my mental capability in the future is like a, a massive fear of mine. And again, that's just mental autonomy there and the ability to make my own decisions. That's something that I, I fear all of those things. Uh, and I fear losing my autonomy as my biggest fear. 
as a straight white male in America who is six feet tall and, and over 200 pounds, like it is so unlikely that I'm going to lose my physical autonomy. And it's one of my biggest fears. So knowing that and knowing that I'm actually not experiencing that regularly is terrifying for the people that are. And so this episode that makes so many jokes, not just June and Ira, but even like paralyzed Sokka gets hit with wood and like all of these other things that absolutely infuriate me because I, I think this episode did real harm. Like I think this episode caused harm. And when I've seen the fandom speak about this episode and make light of these moments, I see that harm because I see it in the comments of the videos we posted and things like that. And so this episode has become even worse for me to watch recently because I know how so many people take it and run with it and make light of it. Um, and again, that's, and I'm not even the, I'm not even the one being affected characters. by it. Like I'm not the one who is experiencing this out in the real world. And so I think that's what makes me even more upset about it. I was, I was adding on that not only do they like comment on it, but the way that they come on it is justifying their behavior and making and excusing their behavior in a way that is not like saying, Hey, this is why they did that. And it's like, okay, but like, no, this is why they did that. And it's okay because they did it. Like, why is that even a problem? And I'm sitting here going like, <laughs> and so, like, it's just, it's, there's so much around a lot of people not recognizing exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> it's just people aren't recognizing the, the problematic nature of what's going on here. Yikes. I can't even begin to imagine how someone could even like possibly justify Iroh's actions in this episode. I and I, I don't even want to know. So I, I don't plan on reading any of those comments. <laughs> I think it does get into the fact that people don't want to feel shame over something that they laughed at or something they experienced when they were younger or want to feel guilty about things that they enjoyed. Um, Cause I'm, I'm on the side of like, if you enjoy things, like let people enjoy things unless those things cause harm. Um, and I think that that's one that it, it, a lot of people have a tough time rumbling with, Oh, I thought this moment was funny. I still kind of think this moment is funny. I don't want to rumble with the fact that that could be harm inducing for other people. Mm. Um, and I think, but I, but the reality is that like, we have to name these things and we have to teach these things. Yes. Um, like uh, working with kids, it drives me up the wall when my, you know, my parents who are grandparents try still try to force themselves like their grandkids to like into hugs and things like that. And it, it, like, it is, I hate it. Right. Like, and I've, you know, nicely to parents like have, have called them out, but it's the same deal when it's, you know, counselors or, or, or youth staff that I'm working with who are get upset because someone didn't give them a high five. Like they're eight. Why are you mad that an eight year old didn't want to give you a high five? Like let them be eight and also respect that they didn't want to touch you. Like, cool. Um, but when we start naming these things and even allowing kids to understand like consent, autonomy, their own choice, what they get to do with their body is up to them. Mm. You know, I don't think we do it enough. And yeah. because you, yeah, and so I think that that's one of our biggest gaps. I don't even think I knew the word autonomy, like in, in any realistic form 
in, until like maybe three years ago did I start like putting together what it was and what it meant. And like, so we, we've got a giant gap in what that means for, for what we can teach to others. And so, yeah rant rant semi over i don't know if i'll ever get like be done with this rant any other moments before we move on i also don't want to rush your processing i need to give gratitude at some point here to get myself back into a, <laughs> a good mental space yeah Yeah. Well, here we are. Uh, I, I think what's important for me to think about in this moment is just how integral this is to like really living in and reading into all of like our, our darkness, so to speak. And how, like, we are all capable of everything that's happened this episode. I was, I recently had a moment where I told sunshine, we, I don't remember what I was watching, but I was watching an episode of something where I laughed at a joke and I immediately was like, Oh, I shouldn't have laughed at that. And it was a, it was a gendered comment and I laughed and then I was like, oh no, why did I laugh at that? And I was like, oh no, like, then it was like this whole existential crisis because I laughed. And then it's one of those, like, this is real and it's present. And this is something that's still happening. And I am, you know, susceptible to all of the things that society is susceptible to. And I'm grateful that um, I was able to catch that in that moment but not all of us do and not all of us have the, the wherewithal or the awareness or the understanding or even the interest in learning. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm grateful that we have this space as a, an active learning space that we can call attention to these things. Um, so thanks for supporting that because you know, that's part of partly y'all um, and our other people that are supporting this. Any other moments that we want to call out before we dive into our uh, intention setting and our gratitude? No other moments, but yeah, I definitely have moments like that. And um, yeah, it, it, it is, I'm definitely grateful for those moments where if I say something, my friends may call me out on saying something, or if I like find, I catch myself and, you know, ho hold myself accountable for something I may do so that I can avoid doing in the future. And, you know, it's something that like, um, it's going to happen. And as long as you catch yourself and are able to learn from that experience and move forward, I think on the whole, even though it happened, it is like a good thing and you can learn from it. Ben, will you scroll back up to the top for the Webster definition real quick? Certainly. So after we've had this discussion, now I'm kind of thinking that the existing or acting separately from others is the moment of autonomy where we say that's not okay. 
or like that joke is not funny for this reason. Do you know what I mean? Where you start to set mm. the path of we're not going to go with this what was status quo that shouldn't be status quo because it's detrimental to others or a group or someone or it's not funny that they didn't have autonomy. You know what I mean? So like now I'm now that we've had this discussion, I like Webster's dictionary a little bit more in that specific reasoning mm -hmm. where you're trying to change the path of like self autonomy, but also bringing to light to others of, hey, you know, like checking other people, but also checking yourself, right? Like you laugh at something or maybe you don't say something when you should have said something, right? Like in a situation where you just kind of let it go because you're tired or you don't really want to have an argument with someone because you know they're not going to be open to it regardless of how much you try to be like, hey, not trying to say you're absolutely wrong, but like you kind of are, but like, let's talk about <laughs> it. Like, this is like a word you shouldn't use or things like that. Or like the way you describe someone is hurtful to them, even though you're joking, it's not funny and it shouldn't be. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can think of so many moments where I've made those jokes and then been promptly called out for it and then promptly were like defensive, but on the inside, like, mm, you're right, but I didn't want to be called out for it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yikes. Oh, well, this wasn't intense at all. All right. Um, we're talking about this week, uh, or this month rather, we're talking about fire as our, as our element of choice and autonomy. And we are putting those together to set an intention uh, for our month around how we want to engage with what we've learned today uh, in this conversation and with what we already know and whatever this episode has taught us. So I invite us now to, to lift those things up and set those intentions so that we can uh, hold one another accountable. Um, and at the at the minimum of being like hey how's it going you said this what's up but if anything kind of just a, a point of integrity for uh, ourselves um to ask that very same question uh how am i doing in this intent with this intention that i set for myself um so at your leisure whoever would like to go first thinking about fire and all the things that I think I think it takes uh, to go to to create the autonomy of going against the grain and the way of calling people out and the way of lifting things up takes confidence. It takes a fieriness that has to exist there. Um, it takes it takes fire, right? You have to that takes a, a little bit of fire to be able to to stand up in those moments and to to call out friends and loved ones and even to do it with compassion and warmth is is incredibly important in a lot of those moments. Um, but call, but calling them out, and my goal is to do that when when I see those things happen, and when to to have the fire inside to kind of let that 
be how I proceed in those moments. And so I think that that's my, my focus moving forward. I'm going to go off of what Sunshine just said too. And also like we need that a little bit of warmth to like have a conversation with people, but also sometimes we just need to burn a whole mindset down, right? Like it needs to, like we need to start all the way over. Like we need to burn everything down so that way fresh ideas can grow. And I think sometimes you have to fight fire with fire but in the sense of you're trying to like eliminate all of the junk that is in the fire that is currently on fire. You know what I mean? And I think sometimes it's really easy to just try to put like a little spark and be like, you know, what if we did this? Or like, what if we didn't use that term and then kind of walk away from it versus being persistent and being like, this is really important to me, or this is important to the other people I care about. And even though that person's not here, you shouldn't use that terminology because you never know like someone else's story, right? So like you say something that is a joke, but you're like hurting someone that's in the room with you and you're not even aware of it. Or like other people are being harmful. And I like watched that happen once this weekend. And I was like, y'all made a joke about someone else, even though you didn't know you were making fun of them because you didn't know that was a thing. And now they're hurt and upset but they're not going to talk about it because you don't even know that's something that they're struggling with or they've experienced before. Mm. So it's like trying to be the, the fire for others who maybe don't have enough in them right now to be the fire for themselves. You know what I mean? Because they've been through so much. But then also like sometimes I'm in that situation where I'm like, I'm not going to fight that because I don't have enough energy, even though that like was negative towards me but I don't even have the energy to deal with that. Right. So like, that's when I want someone else to fight the fire for me. Cause I'm like out. Yeah. Fuel. Thanks Ben. I'm trying to figure out the right thing to say, because this is, this is a, I think this is probably the most difficult one so far for me to think of something, this pairing. And you guys did a su did such a good job so far that it's pretty I mean, good, right? This is yeah. Feels like well, damn. I wish I thought of that. I can go if you want more time, please. So I'm also a big fan of the Cassandra Clare and all of her books. So the you know Mortal Instruments, the Infernal Devices, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The whole Shadow Hunter world and. I, there's a moment, spoiler alert, for those of you who are keenly interested, uh, there's a moment where one of the main characters becomes, uh, adopts this form where like he is no longer aging and really struggling, but because his body was um, diseased and he was addicted to a drug that he, like he needed to survive. And uh, what, ultimately heals him and burns away all of the things that is that are ailing him is is heavenly fire and i'm thinking about how sometimes fire burns and it's agonizing and it's ultimately healing 
And it's this idea that, you know, sometimes fire burns you and it hurts and it's painful and there's no good that's coming of it. And then there are sometimes where it's fire that is burning you and it hurts and it sucks, but you're coming out the other side completely fresh and, and renewed. And, and I, I think about what, what, what that looks like. And to me, this, this idea of quote, heavenly fire is, is speaking truth and maintaining your integrity and, and saying these things that it's exactly what y'all are describing earlier, but it's this confidence of, I'm going to say this and I'm going to burn it down with heavenly fire because this is what's right. Right. I'm not going to cut you down with malice or cruelty and that be the fire with which I burn you, but I'm going to burn you with this thing that's going to stain because it's real and because it's true. And so like, it's calling me to be a little bit more honest in my, um, and, and less forgiving in a way, like, and, and I am very anti-confrontational and when I see someone on the bus not wearing their mask the right way, I'm like, and then I like, should I say anything? Should I say something? And then I twitch the whole 20 minutes that I'm on the bus. And I'm like, like, should I have said something? And then I didn't say something. And then I, like, I agonize over. It. I'm like, no, put on your goddamn mask. Excuse my language. And so, <laughs> so it's just one of those things where I'm like, <laughs> like, that's the things that I want to say um, that are like, think about like, I, 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 I'm so concerned with my own personal comfort and I I'm being called in this moment to like, no, <laughs> like stop it. Um, call that shit out. And it's not just that, but like all, all the things, right. All the things that need a heavenly, a cleanse, so to speak. So speak truth to bullshit is my, my intention. Okay. I think I, I think I know what I want to say. And it, it's taking um, a somewhat different approach than what you guys took. Um, but I think that my devotion is going to be centered around um, creating boundaries, um, which is something that I generally struggle with, especially when it comes to family. And, you know, as we get into the holidays, you're going to be seeing a lot more family. And as some of you maybe could understand, some family members have a habit of pushing boundaries past their limit. Um, and I think that I would like to be very steadfast and strong in upholding those boundaries and not being afraid to be more confrontational or fiery mm. if necessary. Um, because, you know, at that at this point, because a lot of these boundaries were developed because, you know, being like one of the youngest, being the youngest person in my generation, um, in my immediate family, um, I, you know, a lot of those boundaries were formed kind of, you know, they weren't very strong, but now that, you know, I'm an adult interacting with other adults, I, you know, I have the right to put my foot down 
and you know i i should be utilizing that right yeah hmm but put that foot down exactly you know you know why they call me dragon of the west <laughs> <laughs> Can you reenact the 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 Iro dragon breath again, no, please? No, too late. We missed it. They can rewind if they want to. Yeah, see. yeah. That's what I was about to it's say recorded. it's recorded. It's it ain't recorded. going anywhere. <laughs> uh, yikes. Okay. Well, uh, this has been fruitful. So glad we could talk about our intentions. <laughs> Let's move on uh, to gratitude and share with whom, if any, we have been grateful. Uh, that was a terribly, terrible sense. Pardon me. Um, feel free to tell us who you are grateful for, uh, from this episode. Um, whether you have mentioned it prior to now or not. You guys already know this Bado. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah, I did mention it before, but yeah, how he, um, creates the space for autonomy for guitar and Sokka to um, go forward and, you know, figure out for themselves where their path lies and, um, you know, what direction that they want to take, especially after Aang kind of betrays their trust and they're hurt by it. Love it. I'm grateful for Sokka and him choosing the fate of the world over what he wants, right? Because that's kind of what he was facing. Go be with your dad or go help the Avatar, which is going to, in fact, hopefully ensure that future generations have a world to spend with their, their family and their fathers and not be separated by war, especially when he was able to empathize with what Aang was feeling with that lone wolf moment. I just think that was such a, it was like such a glimpse of what future Sokka can be, right? Cause Sokka in book one, we're just like, we're so cringy sometimes, grow up a little bit, right? And then it's like that moment where you're like, okay, he has potential to be such a great leader. Yeah. And like that, that is one of my favorite moments of Sokka from book one, because we see what, what he's capable of. And then we get to see that in book three, we really get to see that in book three. And I think this is like the first glimpse of like who Sokka is becoming and like what he's going to be able to be in this world versus like the first couple episodes, you're like, wow, you're you're really annoying especially as a female watching the show as a kid i was already irritated at him you know being a 12 year old girl and him picking on his sister all the time or like picking on the kiyoshi warriors and i was like that's so rude yeah yeah I'm going to go with Madam Superior. Um, she does exactly what we, we've been talking about. She calls out Aang, right? Like, it, it seems little, but I think she 
it's a it's a moment where she says this isn't okay you need to not do it how dare you litter right here like um and it's so small but i i like that moment and i like uh, that character and i also like finding gratitude in in the supporting cast yeah and also like i gratitude for miyuki the cat getting blamed for like immediately the herbalist was like was it miyuki and miyuki's just like what? was it so, miyuki again she's right. done it before she'll yeah. do it again <laughs> miyuki says a cab yeah that's right <laughs> I'm, all, I'm all about it you won't make you won't design a shirt that has that. Mayuki says a Miyuki, cab. Miyuki with an, a quote bubble. <laughs> I'd wear the shit out of that. <laughs> oh, it's too much. Oh wow. Oh, let's make that for the, the merch store. Okay. Um a shirt for grown-ups. Yeah. I'd I'd rock it. Um anyway. Oh wow. Um so like part of me is like really grateful for Aang. Part of me is grateful for June. Like I'm trying to think of like like these all these various characters have like, oh, but this is important and I want to be grateful for this moment. Um and I think I'm landing on Aang is what's speaking to me most, but like I'm I'm also just grateful for all these characters that are denied their autonomy, and um, they do fine and they do okay. And you know, June is not one of those, but I'm I'm just lifting that up. It's there, and I'm going back to Aang um, because this this moment where. There's a there's a moment where he's it's the picture I chose for for this on the Patreon. I don't know if y'all saw it or not, but the the picture that I chose for the live episode for this episode is Aang sitting off to the side in the water tribe tent, and the other three are just like going to town on you know nostalgia. And I know what it's like to be the outcast in that group and to to not know how to insert myself or even like really to want to because you also there's this like conflicting thing where you want them to be happy because they're the ones you care about but at the same time you're like alone without them and i just am really grateful for for ang and his ability to kind of teach us when it's important like when when does that integrity where was it crossing the line for him? And it was when he had to look them in the eye and say, this is not something I can accept because I've crossed that boundary before. And I've said, thank you and moved on when I should have said, I can't accept this. And so I'm grateful for Aang for having that boundary at least. I did really quick want to touch on Maggie's point because, um, you know, growing up as a brown boy 
watching the show, one of the first characters I connected with was Sokka. Um, and especially since I, I had an, I have an older sister, um, where like there was a lot of sibling tension. He was a very easy character for me to connect with. So I really appreciate your perspective growing up where you were more critical of him because I think it's something that like, I don't think about as much. So, you know, being able to hear um, someone else, someone else's perspective of the same character is really cool. Thank you. But then at the same time, it's good for me to hear that, you know, he brought light to your childhood too, right? Even though I was frustrated with him. And isn't that the beauty of the show that the yes. characters so realistic that <laughs> there's, there's, there's light in them, but there's also dark and we have to appreciate their flaws because their flaws are who create them, right? Mm. Like, their flaws are their strengths sometimes, but then other times they need to overcome their flaws to be better or to be the, the better version of themselves or their favorite self. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, so I didn't expect to tear up like two or three times during this conversation, but you know, here we are. Um, <laughs> thank you all for inviting me into the emotion zone. Um, it's been great. um lots of emoting today we emoted so much yeah uh this is where i kind of invite us is there anything else for the good of the order not at this time not at this time all right well cool if that is the case then i will stop my share and for everybody who's watching not in real time until next time be well and do good bye bye, bye.